And we welcome you to the Overtime Hockey Podcast. This is episode number three from an epic week of hockey. We opened up with the Benilde St. Margaret's Red Knights defeating the Dinah Hornets by a score of 4-3. to three. Our uh, interviews will consist of a couple of people. First, we're going to hear from Ken Pauly as he summarized what was just an awesome hockey game. You can see that on replay at the MNHockey.tv. Uh, as well, we're going to hear from Phil Ballou, the former Duluth East Greyhound defenseman. This was his first podcast. He sounded like a pro. He'd been around the block and back. I think he's got a career and a future. I know Spittin' Chicklets is going to be screaming his name in a matter of no time. He's got some future plans in the game to take care of first. So we're going to talk to Phil about his run at Northern Michigan University with the Wildcats. Also a little bit of his uh, days as a hound and growing up in Duluth, Minnesota, and how things in Marquette, Michigan are treating him. So looking forward to uh, uh, sharing that interview with you, Phil Ballou, great guy. By the way, we're doing a WCHA segment each and every week, and uh, we will uh, be featuring players, coaches, whomever Todd Bell and uh, Bill Robertson over at the WCHA offices uh, send our way. We're going to be there, and we're going to uh, uh, tie in the Minnesota link to that great, historic, legendary collegiate conference. So we're excited to have Phil Ballou be a part of this show, Ken Pauley as well. And before we get into those interviews, I just wanted to mention that coming up on December 8th at Sensors in Bloomington, we will be doing a pre-Vikings party, but with an overtime hockey podcast to it. So it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a clash of cultures, if you will. What we're going to do is we're going to bring in our original six, which are the six teams that we're covering in high school hockey at the MNHockey.tv. By the way, that number can and will grow throughout the years, but uh, for now, that's where we're at for this year, and we've got plenty of games to be doing. We're looking forward to those. But we're going to be bringing players on from those teams along with their coaches. We're also doing a fundraiser for Wishes and More, and uh, that is a, a charity that's very close to Joe Sensor. And you know, many of you may or may have not known he's had a stroke, uh, over, a couple of them over the past few years, and um, it's kind of uh, sidelined him a bit. He's still uh, the vibrant guy, the most loving person I've ever met, and a wonderful person and wonderful friend. So Wishes and More is a very important uh, charity to him and Tom Reed, who, of course, is the uh, color commentator and has been since the very beginning of the Minnesota Wild on KFAN. He's going to join myself and Bart Archer in co-hosting the event. We're going to have our friends from Total Sports. There was some of the greatest sports memorabilia, authentic autographed sports items that you can bid on from 10 a.m. until 3.30 p.m. at Sensors. Take in the uh, program that we're going to have with some great people. Jack Carlson will be joining us. Raise some money for wishes and more. Watch the Vikings game and uh, make a great day of it on December 8th. It, by the way, will be the day after we did the North-South Classic from the St. Louis Park Rec Center. So just mark your calendars. We'd love to see you uh, all. Great hockey community, great hockey fans. We're creating with Beauty Status Hockey a hat, which is going to uh, be like the original six. And all proceeds and profits for that hat, they're getting it to us for cost, is going to go straight through to Wishes and more. So we're going to challenge everybody to buy as many hats as they can. We're also going to have T-shirts for you, too, as well. The hats will not be available till the first of the year, but we're going to put that out there so everybody's aware of what we're doing with that. So in the end, it's going to be a great day, December 8th. We'll have another show uh, from the studio coming up next week for the Overtime Hockey Podcast. Then show number five will be coming from Sensors, and it's going to be a great, incredible day. Let's pack the house. Let's talk some hockey. Let's downshift, cheer on the Vikings. Let's raise some money for a great cause for something that's very close to my dear friend and many others, Joe Sensor, of course. He is very good friends with Tom Reed, and uh, Tom was more than gracious to join Bart Archer and myself in co-hosting the program 
from sensors. So without further ado, uh, we'd also, oh, I almost forgot about the business at hand. I would like to remind you that this uh, is presented by Tradition Companies. You can find them at traditionco.com. And also, we have another great sponsor that's jumped on board with us as well, and that's American Family Insurance. You know, with American Family Insurance, that's allowed us to uh, really expand and take our coverage to the next level. So you can check them out. Get your quote at amfam.com, and it's traditionco.com. Let's check in now with Ken Pauley, the Overtime Hockey Podcast. A very emotional game. It oh, was. It was an emotional game. It was game. intense. I mean, it's game three, and there was a lot. Everybody cared. It was good. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's like, I mean, let's face it. It's like you you try to create a playoff atmosphere all year. In reality, you're lucky if you can get that two or three times a year, and I think that was tonight. You are lucky if you get that truth. A good crowd. I can tell you the viewership was massive. There's a lot of interest in this game. Yeah, yeah. What was really weird is it, I hate to use the cliche ebb and flow, but why not? But each team would have like moments of two minutes of control. Yes. And then it would kind of, they'd lose it both ways. And it went on all night long. Yeah, I, I think, again, I think that's when, I mean, I think that's one of the things we love about high school hockey is they are, they are high school kids and they're going to do some things that give us some anxious moments. And, uh, you know, again, just when you think you're in control, all of a sudden a kid does something. And I, I did see one, one time Russo, I said, you know, what, what, what's his problem? And Russo goes, he's nervous. That's his problem. Right? I mean, yeah, it matters. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, well, there was a moment when, um, when they scored, I think to make it 3-3, three, three, uh, there was a big opening up ice. And I looked at you after that goal was scored. It was sort of like a parting of the Red Sea. Yeah. What was your thought and message there? Well, it, it, the thing is, we, we really felt that as long as we kept within our structure and kept our F3 high and all that, we'd be all right. And, and, we, um, and, and we didn't. I mean, that's the thing. All of a sudden, we had three guys went chasing after pucks, and Edina's too disciplined to do that against, mm-hmm. and, and, they made us, and they made us pay. You know, what was really great about this game is both teams, I watch for this a lot, young teams don't do as well with this. Mm-hmm. Both of your teams, I would say, are mid-range teams in age, you know, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the body positioning and one-on-one battles were a dead heat all night long. Can you talk about how how good you thought that part of the game was? Yeah, it was real good. I mean, it's, you know, it, was, uh, it felt like section playoff hockey from the standpoint you had to fight for every inch. And so that body position you're talking about, it's like they weren't they weren't going to let you they weren't going to let you get through, you know. And uh, again, I know I know Kurt, they'll just get better at that, so it's not going to be any easier. <laughs> so you start on the road uh, up in Marshall, and then you go to Rapids, yeah. and then you come down into this pressure cooker. Edina's is kind of doing the thing at the Turkey Trot; it's sort of a neutral yeah. site deal, sort yeah. of like the uh, NCAA stuff in basketball, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. But in the end. You could kind of flush that stuff down, right? I mean, yeah. this was almost like the start of the real season. This felt like, like it, yeah, I think so. I was talking to Kurt beforehand. We both felt the same way. We kind of felt we were still in scrimmage. You know, we were still in scrimmage yeah. mode, you know? And and so this was, you know, let's face it. I mean, you can dump a couple, you know, one or two of those, you know, opening weekends, and there's a lot of reasons for it. You know, back-to-back tournament, back-to-back games. You know, so yeah, it, it, this this did feel like this did feel like the kickoff, but boy, it still seems still seems pretty damn early to have to play three games already. Do you think your depth made it a difference? Yeah, I do. I I, I do. I do. Um, I think that. Uh, um, and, and and again, when we get Yaki back at D, you know, Yaki's back. I think that's going to help us even more. So I'm watching those four guys that you're rolling out there, and I'm thinking about him being out of the yeah. lineup. It's like. Oh. 
Who, I mean, whose minutes do you take? And you know, I mean, that changes. Our, well, well, that's yeah, even, well, even four, Joe. We get Charlie Bishop back here in a couple weeks, and Logan Mike was great, and Thompson was good tonight. Yeah. That that Warren, I think Warren had a, had a game. Well, yeah, Warren really played like a mature senior, you know, tonight. You know, I kind of right like Charlie sometimes. Here's yeah. you talking about him right now. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's buttoning it up right now. But how about, I mean, how about Jack Olsen tonight, too? Uh, I mean, you know, he had some pressure saves to make. A lot of screens, ton of traffic. What I liked was the rebound stayed at home. They weren't whipping around on him at all. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I'll tell you what, he really, he just showed, he showed a calmness out there. And, and what I really liked is he continued to play well. After they made it 3-2, then they tied it up, and he continued to play well, and he didn't lose it. So there was a little tool I used to have to do for Andy Bogue when he played for the Stars in Dallas. I'd have to, he'd ask me to make videos of him, quote, being awesome. And if I were Jack Olson, I would watch this video or have someone edit him being awesome because those are really good visual things, I think, for a goaltender. What I liked the best was he was in position, and he was quite... He didn't look nervous, and I, I'm sure he had to be in that type of environment. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, I mean, it's like we're... You know, we know that, you know, Carson's our number one guy, you know, but this is a, it's been a great opportunity for both Fred Lorne and Olsen to get some games, and then most likely we'll play in the North-South Challenge as well. And I think that I think Jack realizes, listen, I don't I have so much of a window of opportunity. We've talked about that on the podcast. Like, hey, when you have your chance, you know, you better you better make a deposit. You know, you know, you can't take you can't can't keep don't out hold t- it, man. Yeah, you can't be taking withdrawals when you're fighting for a spot. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Great win. All right, thanks, Weiss. It's time now for our WCHA segment, and we are proud to bring in Duluth East, uh, former Duluth East Greyhound Phil Ballou, who is now, of course, with Northern Michigan University in his senior year. And uh, he's getting ready for Thanksgiving break and then a trip to uh, some warm weather where he's going to go take on uh, Alabama Huntsville this upcoming weekend. So, Phil, I'd first like to say thank you for joining us. And uh, what are you up to today? Uh, Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, Real excited about being on my first podcast. Um, but right now, just enjoying the Thanksgiving break. Um, about to go bowling with some of my teammates and uh, head out for Alabama Huntsville in warm weather tomorrow. Uh, that is awesome for you. And, you know, you and I were talking off air a little bit about uh, your thoughts of Marquette and uh, life there. And you compared it to uh, what you grew up in Duluth. And, and, and although being a little bit warmer, can you talk about the environment as far as what it's like to live there and uh, to play hockey? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a hidden gem up here in the UP of uh, Michigan and not really a place I was aware of uh, that well, but it's uh, right on Lake Superior, just like uh, back in my hometown, Duluth. And the weather's very similar. The climate is just all very similar. And it was pretty awesome uh, when I first got here because I was able to become comfortable right away because it was just a very similar feeling. And it's just a small town. Everyone's nice and hardworking people here and um, it's just a great community to be a part of, and um, I mean the hockey culture is obviously very rich here, and has been for a long time. And um, it's really a blessing to be able to come uh, play hockey here and live here. Sounds to me a lot like where you came from, which is uh, uh, quite yeah. a deal. So you know yeah. we're we're going to get into your collegiate career a little bit, but you know you were you were one of my favorite players uh, when you were with the Hounds. Um, there are certain players that stood out along the way, and from when you were wrong, young all the way up until your senior year. On the blue line, you always played it well, and it seemed like every time we were at the state tournament, you could always rely on uh, on you on the uh, blue line to get the job done. And um, I, I think some of that, obviously, a lot of that was you. 
and uh, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get a check from Mike Randolph to give to you to say nice things. But uh, you know, how much development went into your play to where you are today as a player, as being a hound? Oh, uh, I'm a huge advocate for Minnesota hockey, as I'm sure you are. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike Randolph. I wouldn't be a defenseman if it wasn't for Mike Randolph. To be completely honest, I was never. I was always kind of back and forth growing up, mainly forward. And he's one. He's like, you're gonna be on the blue line as a freshman. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Like, I'm gonna listen to Mike Randolph. So, yeah. uh, you know, his development, and I had a really good D coach, Dylan Mills, who was another Hounds legend, go for uh, go for player. Um, he taught me a lot too. And yeah, just being a part of a really good program like that was key in my development, especially as a defender and uh, becoming a better hockey player. You know, and, and through that, that you've had a ton of accolades in the NCAA uh, level and with the WCHA uh, as you've come up through through the ranks here. And, you know, when, when your name is mentioned, it's on the short list of one of the best defensemen in college hockey. Can you talk a little bit about the transition? You know, obviously you went from the Hounds, I think you were with Madison, the USHL, and now on to Northern Michigan. How has that incrementally worked for you from level to level? And at what time within college hockey have you felt comfortable with your game was there anything that clicked there that was like 20 questions i just asked you so pick one <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> um i guess i'll just start from the beginning i think every time i've kind of made a move up to the next level there's been a lot of adapting that needed to go on so i'll you know like when i first got to high school i decided to go play as a freshman which is a great opportunity for mike and there was a lot of learning that went on that year and then when I got to my sophomore year, that's where I kind of gained a lot of confidence. And then same thing going to juniors. I kind of got my toes wet a little bit, had to figure it out. And then once I figured it out, it uh, seemed to go okay. I got to play in Waterloo for a year and a half in Madison, like you said, and uh, learned a lot there. And then when I got to Northern Michigan as a freshman, like I was really kind of intimidated by college. I mean, that's something you dream of as a kid uh, growing up, especially in Minnesota. It's a state tournament, and then it's playing college somewhere. Um, so when I got to – uh, Northern Michigan, I you know I found out right away I could hang with some of these guys, and it just took a little uh, more adapting, like my previous levels, and um, it's it all comes down to be surrounded by a lot of good people too. I mean, you got to work and do stuff yourself, but I've been able to meet a lot of great people and have a lot of uh, help on my side, which is key. I think uh, you know it's just what you do with that help too that um, makes a difference. But yeah, just adapting to each level and trying to work hard through it and figuring out is I think the key for me. Um, I like new challenges. I like trying to, you know, play with the best. And, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of good people on my side and you just got to adapt and work hard. Well, that's an incredible statement you made there. You know, a lot about uh, accepting the uh, the great tools that you have around you from things people say, yep. do and help you. You know, a lot of guys don't yep. want to uh, accept that. And I think that's, you know, that, 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 that shows that somewhere along the way you were taught that, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, um, you know, a question I've always had about, there was a guy that played in the WCHA, you know, probably back in the late to mid-2000s. Uh, he was a Mr. Hockey finalist. Blake Friesen played at Mankato State or Minnesota State Mankato. And he had told me from the pro game uh, all the way down to uh, high school, the, the fastest brand of hockey he had ever been a part of was was in the wcha he said it was almost like a breakneck pace i know you had mentioned you were in the uh the boston uh camp a couple of years ago when we were talking off the air is it still that way is is it a, is it a really really quick paced game 
uh, from what you feel? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> coming from junior or whatever, when I first played my first WCHA game, it was it's very fast and very physical, which I know is. There's a lot of like hard nosed style teams in this league, mm-hmm. where it's like a lot of um, it's just an interesting style. It's not a lot of I'd say it's, a good way to describe it is blue collar skill. Interesting. I think that's a term our, our head coach Grant Petunia uses a lot, and it's like these guys have a lot of skill, but they know how to work hard too. And I think that's the way the game should be played. So that was like my freshman year. That was a big thing I learned, especially playing teams like Mankato, Bemidji, Tech. Those guys could really run and gun along with in Bowling Green. And so like going back for a puck, like you're gonna have guys right in your heels. You don't have time to make plays. Like it, it was insane. So I definitely, I, you know, it's very fast paced and that's definitely what you want to play against. And a lot of respect for all the teams under the league because they all work very hard. So in terms of Grant Patoni as your coach, you know, obviously he was a great player at the University of Minnesota. Coach there as an assistant forever, was very engaged with the Minnesota players. And I know his being named coach at Northern Michigan has helped in, in, in attracting Minnesota players like yourself. Can you talk a little bit about him as a coach and how he's been for you? Oh, I can't I can't say enough about Grant. Um, when I came in, I had Walt Kyle to start. He was a great coach, too. And then we uh, lost him and we were able to pick up Grant. And that's probably been one of the best things for me in my career. Um, he's definitely up there, top coaches I've ever had. And Grant, what he brings to the rink every day is uh, unlike – what I've seen from a lot of people and you can definitely see why he was such a winner and he's had so much success in his life um, because he's just very, he's just very dialed in. He's very methodical about what he does and he is very good at getting the best out of people. And you can see he was a captain. He was a captain as a sophomore at, uh, the, at the golfers. And that's, you know, that's very unheard of, but you can see why he's just a very determined person and he's just ultra focused. It's, you know, it's, it's it's pretty intimidating to be honest sometimes, but he really brings out the best in uh, the best in our team, and he's changed our program around a lot. And the guy just works extremely hard. Like he's he's in the weight room before practice, along with our other coaches, just you know just sweaty and banging himself on the bike or doing squats. And I mean, there's it's hard not to try and emulate this guy, and he just infects the whole group with his work ethic and. He's by far one of the best coaches slash mentors I've ever had. You know, as we like to say, uh, leading by example, that, that's awesome. So, exactly. if, so if an old yeah. man can do that, I think so can you, yeah. right? I mean, that's kind of <laughs> how mean, it goes. He's not old, but he, I know. Yeah, you can just tell this guy's pure work. Yeah, that, that was a nice respect to throw there for you there. You know, one of the interesting things about your points, you got uh, 12 points on the season, three picked up on the power play. So 75% of your points are coming five on five. And, you know, a lot of times the D-men are getting their points with the power play, and, you know, it's kind of filtering through you. But you're getting five on five points. Um, what's been what's been the key factor for you on those? Um, that's kind of interesting because usually in the past it's kind of been half and half, and the last two years – we've had a pretty nice power play. And I think this year we have a lot of new guys on the power play. So we're kind of still trying to figure each other out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think for the five on five part of it, there's been parts of my game. I've really tried to like dial in, especially for my senior year, which is mainly cleaning up the defensive zone and just making that first simple play. And just one side note thing, like I really um, kind of learned about this year is I watched this YouTube video on Brent Burns. And this guy, like, breaks down his defensive game. And, like, he says, like, elite defensemen are the best, like, at defending. 
and they're just they're stupid simple and i love that term mm-hmm. and that's some it's kind of hard to it's hard to, to do it sometimes because you want to just carry the puck and skate it up and you can't really see the benefit of making a simple play until later after it happens so that's something i really focus on this year i think just moving the puck up quick and let my floors do stuff with it it's kind of helped out and but trying to just get more pucks on the net and just make the simple play. So I think for the five-on-five part, it's just simplifying the game. Well, Just taking what the game gives you. I would agree with you 100% that less absolutely uh, is more in that situation. And it's, you know, when you watch a guy like Brent Burns, it's funny because if you would go back and look at his stuff when he first came back, it came into the league, I don't know, I think that was probably like 2008 or something like that. Uh, he was, I, I guess the term I would use for him was, was helter skelter all over the yeah. place. I don't know if you knew that or you're probably pretty young, but yeah. he used to drive Jock Lemaire. Yeah. So he drove Jock Lemaire crazy in the coaching staff, but it's been really interesting to watch him, uh, evolve to what he is today. And he's able to play the game at such an explosive pace yet. Keep it under control. Is that kind of something you try to do is have some explosivity to your game, but keep it under control. Absolutely. I think. Sometimes like you, if you, especially if you're like losing or you want to help your team out, you can kind of get out of yourself. And sure. Like I said, it's just sometimes hard to see the benefit of being simple because uh, you can't really see it until you do it, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, just taking what the game gives you is a big thing I try and do. My dad always has this term where he, like, we, he'd always take me out on the outdoor rinks when I was younger. I had a rink in my backyard. He like just playing natural and like relying on my instinct. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, just letting the instinct take over. And um, one thing, all that one thing to get that to translate is just to make sure you're working hard and practice every day. And then when you come to a game, you won't have to worry about it just because you practice that way every day. So I think just making sure I'm dialed in on practice. And then when it comes to a game, just staying cool, calm, and collected, and sticking to my instinct is the key I have found that uh, leads to success. Well, let's get into the team for a little bit here. You guys uh, went on a run where you won five in a row. You beat you, you well, actually you uh, tied with Boston University, then you beat them, uh, and then you beat Ferris State, swept them, swept Alabama, Huntsville, and then you had uh, a, a tie with St. Cloud State, and then a loss in overtime with them, and then you beat Alaska. Then they took you in the second game of that. But since since that uh, that time, you've lost three in a row. Um, where is your team at? You've had some incredibly close and tough games. You know, those overtime games can become emotional. You've got a long season. Are, are you are you guys licking wounds from that a little bit, or was it just a tough night uh, against Michigan Tech? Um, or weekend, so that's interesting. Say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, we're always trying to be the best, and having a coach like Grant, he definitely keeps you on your toes and makes sure you're dialed in. But I think, with honestly, when we played St. Cloud, I don't think that was probably our worst weekend of the year. And we were, we both games, we came back from a three goal deficit in the third period, which is ridiculous. Like, you never want to put yourself in that position, but shows great resiliency from our group. But I think that's kind of where it started. We kind of got, I think we had some success and maybe got a little complacent. I think that can tend to happen sometimes. Um, so, St. Cloud, we kind of, you know, dropped the ball a little bit and then uh, went into. Alaska and we like after that St. Cloud weekend like Grant was on us you know to be dialed in and then uh we you know we did our job Friday night against Alaska and then we lost Saturday so we kind of went back to the drawing board again for Tech and what was really interesting is I thought we played unreal last weekend 
minus about 10 minutes on Friday and 10 minutes on Saturday where we dropped the ball a little bit. But it was an interesting weekend. Sometimes you play real good and don't get rewarded. Yeah. And I think at the beginning of the year, we got away with some stuff. And so, you know, sometimes Grant likes to say, like, the hockey gods kind of get you back a little bit. You get what you deserve. But, I mean, credit to Michigan Tech last weekend. They, they still played a good game, and their goalie had a heck of a weekend. And sometimes it's just the way it goes. But there's definitely a lot of positives we took from last weekend. And if there's one thing I've learned from our group is that we're very resilient. And, um, you know, you can't change the past. So you just kind of learn from it and move on. And So it's good to have some bumps in the road. I definitely think that uh, helps make a winning team. And it's just how you handle it. So it, definitely it re- looking forward to this next weekend. You know what it really is? I mean, you know, I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in the result. You know, Obviously, you play and you want to win. That's the whole point. But, yep. you know, you know, it comes back to what you said. You know, th- there was a guy that uh, I, I grew up around uh, by the name of Lou Nanny, who's um, <laughs> he was the most uh, his son, uh, Marty, good friend of mine through grade school and into high school. And um, he, he was supremely the most positive person I'd ever been around. And no matter what the result was, especially when he was the GM of the North Stars at the time, it was. Yeah, you know, we didn't get the result, but we played really well. And and it was always you look at the things you do well because it's it's the really the sum of the whole. And I think it's easy for fans to get emotional about how things are going. But I also know in a locker room, I mean, you've been in tough losing streaks in your life somewhere. It can get kind of wicked in there and tough. Yep. How, how's your room? Uh, do, you, do you guys have a good positive room? Oh, we have a great room, I think. Uh, we only have three seniors this year, which is interesting. So, And we brought in like 10, 11 freshmen. So – we knew like those new guys are going to be a huge part of our team. So we, a big emphasis on this year is making sure everyone feels the same. Everyone's pulling the rope, you know, and I yep. think that's how it should be on any team because you want everyone to feel as comfortable as possible. So then everyone plays the best. So like I was saying earlier, I think our group has great resiliency and that is just a testament to the tight group we have. And, you know, we're working through stuff right now and Grant's a great coach to have help us out with that. But our room, I think our room's pretty solid. We have, I have two other great seniors, Luke Bolton and Darian Craighead, who helped me out a lot. And uh, we just have a great other upperclassmen class that help these new guys come in. And uh, we're a pretty tight-knit group. Well, that's awesome. And uh, that, that, that's how you can achieve success. And, you know, as you wind through your college career and you've got really good perspective on, uh, you know, securing the moment and let that take care of what happens tomorrow, I think you did that through from high school into junior into college, and why would that be any different from the pro level? Uh, but I'm sure a lot of the fans here in Minnesota especially who are very familiar with you and your game, uh, the familiar number 2-5, as we like to say, uh, what what uh, what is uh, what, what is uh, brewing for you? I know you've got an agent that's working on stuff, probably not much you can talk about, but is it fair to say you'll be playing somewhere, some way, somehow next year? Um, yeah, I would definitely love to continue my hockey career. I mean, I've been doing it for 22 years. Um, so Your whole life. Might as well try to make something. Of it. Yeah, my whole life. Dad had me on skates when I was two. Amazing. So, I uh, yeah, I would love to continue um, my career. I'm glad I'm going to graduate with a degree, just to have something to fall back on, you know. But, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see what happens. And just uh, like I said before, just try and make it to the next level and keep adapting. Well, while we're at it, what is your degree? Um, econ major with a minor in health and nutrition. Okay, perfect. So you can put so uh, diverse. You can you're really diverse. So you can get into the athletics for a little bit there with the health and nutrition, probably keeping the bodies tuned up. But then yeah, you can work yeah. the econ and make some money there because that's where the money is, right? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, let's yeah, be honest on sure. the business side of things. So, well, I, I got to tell you, I've done a few guys on this. They've been all great, but uh, I think you're spitting chiclets material here. I think your quality. <laughs> it was on, man. It was good. It was really good. Appreciate that. If you're a hockey guy and you don't know spitting chiclets, you're not a hockey guy. So, right? So, yeah. so uh, I'll, I'll have my guys call their guys and uh, get you hooked up. <laughs> we'll see what we can do for sure. Phil. Sounds good to me. You're a good man. Thanks for joining us. Good luck the rest of the year. And uh, yeah. tip of the cap to you and your career. You've been really fun for all of us to watch. And you're a great example of what uh, hockey in Minnesota is about and what can happen if you uh, apply yourself. So congratulations to you and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Pete. Thanks for having me on. You bet. We'll be back with more coming up right after this. The American Legion, we're a powerful force for the nation. We're the largest veteran service organization in the nation with two and a half million members. And when you add to that the American Legion Auxiliary and the Sons of the American Legion, we have a family of four million members working hard every day for our veterans, our youth, and our communities. Go to legion.org to find out more about the American Legion's commitment of service to America. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Overtime Hockey Podcast. Number three is in the books. Next week, we'll be back on the air with a number of guests. Tim Colomani will be joining us for the Class 1A preview. I know we were going to do that this week, but he had some things come up where he couldn't join uh, the program. So we're going stealthy, quick, in and out this week with our program. Uh, thanks to Phil Blue for joining us. Of course, Ken Pauly post-game and his comments. We'll have plenty of announcements coming up for a big event at Sensors coming up on December 8th. Uh, we wish each and every one of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Be safe over the weekend. So long, everybody.